Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sit, boo-boo. Sit, boo-boo. Sit. Grr. Good dog. Some bad hat hair. It's a good dog. Good idea. Not a doctor. Bye. Have a beautiful from your life. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Kevin Can Fuck Himself Season 1. And we are just going to say Kevin Can Fuck Himself. I know it's yes. technically Kevin Can F Himself, but really that, I think they say in the show, it's like F is so much worse than fuck. We're Aussies. We're just going to say Kevin can fuck himself. Yes. I feel I like that, that is basis. the true title. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've been saying that ever since uh, Kevin Rudd was our Prime Minister. Kevin can fuck himself. Like, I'm just used <laughs> to saying at this point. Uh, how are you doing, Damask? Uh, I'm good. School holidays have just started. The sun has come out in WA. I played uh, Minecraft at, from 6.30 this morning. I'm having a great time, Rod. Well, how about you? That's lovely. You've stolen the AFL Grand Final from us. WA have got this year. I see you're in yeah. your, your Richmond colours, though. Even though Richmond have nothing to do with this year, yes. I appreciate you know put, putting your footy colours out. Got to represent for the family in WA, you know. Are you, are um, you doing anything? Are you going to like have a grand final like watch party or anything like that? Or Angela and I made some vague plans to go to a friend's house, but um, Angela is very hungover today. Ah. <laughs> I so went to bed at eleven thirty last night. Um, she rolled in at about three a.m. Um, so she's feeling a bit rough, so I don't think we'll be going anywhere okay. today. Yeah. Gotcha, fair enough. A couple of things I did want to talk about very briefly before we get started in our review of Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Number one, Why the Last Man is officially a real television show and have actually released, I think, four episodes now. Yes, I've had my eyes on it. I've been watching. Could Can you believe it? We won't talk about what our thoughts are on it just yet, but mm-hmm. I just I think it's amazing that's happened. And in even more astounding news somehow... Just last night, as I was going to bed, all of a sudden, Twitter is all abuzz because it's Mm. been announced that Russell T. Davies, the man who was showrunning Doctor Who from 2005, brought it back after it had been off the air for over a decade, Mm. is coming back to take over as showrunner once again. And this is particularly exciting, I think, because while I don't think his run was perfect, I don't think he was necessarily the main writer between some of my favourite stories, even through his run. I think the, the show was in a very strong place. Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant, the two doctors under his um, reign, you might say, were mm-hmm. two excellent doctors. Uh, and there was a nice seamless transition from that into the Moffat era. And, um, and then the Chibnall era with Jodie Whittaker as the doctor has not done much for us. Mm-hmm. And I've had a hard time getting excited at all about Doctor Who recently. I and haven't we are, thought about it in so long. Yeah. Right. And we asked the question, I think it was the last off-topic hot topic because we discussed Chibnall and Jodie leaving um, in the near future. Who would we want to see as showrunner? And I didn't really have any ideas, and that's possibly because of a lack of knowledge of like UK writers, mm. uh, potential showrunners. I, in my wildest dreams, would not have expected Russell T Davies to come back. 
I honestly can't think of a better option. If you need to steer the sh- like re get right the, ship the ship back on track, the right the ship. That's what I'm thinking of. Thank you. Yeah. If you want to right the ship, get the guys done it once before. Mm-hmm. It might not be perfect, but I think he's going to find the heart and the soul of the adventure and the things that Doctor Who have been great for <laughs> since New Who came onto the scene in 2005. I think he's the right guy. I don't know. What are your feelings? Uh, yeah, because you shared that story with me this morning and I hadn't actually heard about it yet. I didn't see anyone talking about it on Twitter. Um, yeah, everything you're saying makes sense to me. Mm. Um, I, and I... Hearing you talk about it makes me go, oh, maybe like maybe I will be able to look forward to the next season. But it's just been so long since I've really cared. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly check it out. And I think, I mean, David Tennant is my favourite Doctor. Mm-hmm. So I'm certainly a fan of his. Um, so, yeah, I guess we will see. I don't, I don't want to get my hopes up again, you know. I'm a little um, tentative about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's too late for me now. My expectations are like, <laughs> I am going to like Doctor Who again. I think it's going to finally happen. Mm. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Anyway, no more of that. We'll talk more about that. I've got some parts of that I want to discuss when we get to our next off-topic, off-topic hot topic. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of Kevin Can Fuck Himself Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Kevin Can Fuck Himself is an American dark comedy television series created by Valerie Armstrong, who previously wrote for Damascus' new favourite show, Lodge 49, and premiered on AMC Plus on June 13th, 2021, though we watched it in Australia on Amazon Prime. Kevin Can Fuck Himself tells the story of Alison McRoberts, a woman struggling to redefine her life amid an unhappy marriage to husband Kevin, an insensitive, unambitious man-child. The show presents contrasting perspectives of Alison's experience as a stereotypical sitcom wife when Alison is with Kevin, complete with multi-camera setup and canned laughter, and as a woman navigating a difficult personal path filmed in a single-camera setup more common to television dramas. The show stars Schitt's Creek alumni and Emmy Award winner Annie Murphy alongside Mary Hollis Inbuden, uh, Eric Peterson, Alex Bonifer, Brian Howe and Raymond Lee. Kevin Can Fuck Himself Season 1 consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 43 minutes, and took us approximately five hours and 45 minutes to watch. In August of 2021, Kevin Can Fuck Himself was renewed for a second season. So Damask, before we get to our spoiler-free reviews... How familiar, how much do you have an affection for three-camera type sitcom, or multi-camera sitcoms, I should say, the uh, the type like Everybody Loves Raymond mm. and um, Kevin Can Wait, which was definitely a particular influence, or at least a Well, I just want to interrupt you there. Show. I'm a huge fan of Kevin Can Wait. Um. <laughs> King of Queens and all those uh, fantastic sitcoms. Well, I grew up on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Never really loved, loved any of them. Obviously, Friends was huge when I was like eight and nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ones that I've gone back to and I'm like, yeah, these are good. You know, there's a couple of iffy episodes here and there, but Golden Girls still holds up. Amazing. Um, but even when I was watching that, they were already reruns. Um, the Nanny is great. Love all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, I'm glad that one holds up. Yeah, it does. It's very good. I mean, it's just hilarious that Niles is... A straight Try man. <laughs> sure. It's, it's uh, an added level of humour about it, um, sure. which I don't think is perhaps intended. Um, so I like those ones, but this particular show, Kevin Can Fuck Himself, is kind of deconstructing the more kind of nuclear family 
dynamic? Kind of, though. Funnily enough, it's they're not a family, I guess. It's like it, it, mm. it, there is a specific version of these sitcoms, I guess, where it's very husband and wife focused and mm-hmm. often um, it's... Um, the, the the it's like a schlubby husband yeah. and then the wife that holds the whole situation together. And I think of like, I know it's a family situation too, but to my mind, the one that I've watched the most of that's like this is probably Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah. Which to me, the house like layout looks identical. It was always on just before The Simpsons, wasn't it? Or just after. It was just like after, in that similar like, that. like time yeah. frame, like 7 p.m. every night on Channel mm. 10 in Australia. Yeah, that was Everybody Loves Raymond. I've watched a lot of that show and quite enjoyed it from when I was younger. I wonder if I still would now. Mm. Um, but then the versions that I've never really watched but I'm aware of are Kevin Can Wait and uh, King of Queens. Um, I've seen King of Queens. That was, was like a daytime television. I was sick at home. It would be on mm. in the afternoon sort of show. Yeah. Uh, and so if I've watched one episode, that's about it probably in my lifetime. I think Patton Oswalt is in King of Queens. Am I remembering that correctly? I don't know. He wasn't the lead though. King of Queens no, no, of course not. was... Kevin uh, James. No, that's like... It's not Kevin James. No. What's his name? Ke- no, it is Kevin James. Ke- I was Ke- thinking of Kevin Hart. But it's in Kevin, Kevin James. In Kevin Can Wait, yes. King of Queens, I'm pretty sure, is... Jim no, you're Belushi. Thinking of a, you're thinking it's, of According to Jim. Oh, According to Jim is Jim Belushi. See, this is the yeah. problem, right? <laughs> yeah. They all kind of merge into one, which I think actually is what makes this really up for satirizing or from deconstructing mm. in some way because there are multiple versions of this show, basically, mm. and they all have a very similar energy and formula to them, I think. Um, yes. So I will say I yes. do think um, I haven't watched King Queens in a long time. I do think they had a slight difference in that both the husband and wife were buffoons in okay, different sure. ways, but they both were. But I think shows like you know Home Improvement, mm-hmm. um, pretty much anything mm-hmm. Tim Allen has done except mm-hmm. for Toy Story mm-hmm. and Galaxy Quest, um, and Kevin James. Um, other than King of Queens and Jim Belushi. Um, those three guys, yeah, seem to be doing it in the modern era. Um, yeah. Uh, so the next question was, why do we decide to review Kevin Can Fuck Himself? And I'll quickly answer that part of it was exactly that. I guess it's, I think this is, a, I'm, I'm well enough aware of the tropes of this genre, I guess, or subgenre of sitcom mm. that the pitch of it, the idea of like, Because famously, and I think this is important to put out there, the reason the show is called Kevin Can Fuck Himself and really where the idea originally came from, from my understanding, is based off that in Kevin Can Wait, there was the the sort of the wife character who was killed off between seasons one and two because they, in some reason, decided she was a drag on the show, so they just got rid of her. Rather than developing the show in some way to include her more, they just literally killed her off. Yeah, I believe the reasoning was, because this was obviously Kevin James's show, mm-hmm. um, I assume the ratings weren't quite what they were expecting. And so they killed off the woman they originally cast and cast Leah Remini as the new woman to come in, right. who obviously was his co-star in King of Queens, which was very popular at the time. Ah, I see. I so see, they just right replaced here. the wife. <laughs> just just replaceable. Just like... But not in the like... Um, Fresh not like re- way. not recasting. They, they killed no, no, her no. off. They killed her. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> off screen, from what I yeah. understand. I have yeah. no idea how they handled it. Maybe the first episode back in season two dealt with it, you know, really delicately and in a way mm. that was the very only thoughtful. Way you, <laughs> Probably not, though. The only situation in which you should do this is like the eight simple rules yes. thing is when obviously the actor has died and yes. then you have to have those serious episodes where they you talk about They basically had the a loss. season, I think, dealing with the, the fallout from that. Um, yeah. A series I would like to go back to, actually, because I think that was pretty pretty crazy for a sitcom at the time to do what mm. they did as well. I had such a crush on the younger sister, the redhead. I had no idea at oh, the time, sure. but, oh, my God, I had a crush on her. <laughs> Makes sense now. <laughs> yes, it's all coming together. Um, all right. Are you ready to review? I think so. Go for it. After you, Damas. <laughs> okay. Here I go. I'm a little nervous because um, okay. for those at home that don't know, um, well, I'd already watched it. I'd finished it. Um and Broad was watching it and your fiancé reached out to me and was just like, Broad's really struggling with this show. And I was like, oh, fuck. All right, here we go. It's going to be an interesting conversation. All right, so <laughs> I'm just scared. Okay, Is this why we've put this one off so long? It's just been like, I need to get up yeah. the energy to deal with I don't want you to, to yell at me for like bullshit. an hour. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's fair. No, all right, here we go. Here we go. All right. So, Kevin Can Fuck Himself is a weird show. Um, as you were saying, Broad, it combines kind of two distinct tones to make an interesting whole. And the premise is simple enough. You've got the classic television everyman who is married to the contemporary version of television's every woman. You know, the everyman is a lovable buffoon who spends his days getting into mischief while his wife rolls her eyes. And this modern version of the every woman is someone who's sick of being sidelined and kicked around. She's down and out, folks, but she's about to kick ass and take names. I'm thinking of, um, what's it called? Big Little Lies. Like there's so many of those kind of stories going around where it's like women who are living in quiet desperation. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of the story we like to tell about women now that is apparently relatable. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. So... In this show, the microscope is put on all of the American sitcoms that I laughed at as a kid, as we were just saying. And I think we all know and accept how terrible those shows are, even if we haven't gone back and actually watched them. I think we might remember some things and being like, yeah, no, I'm not surprised that I grew out of that and also the rest of the world did for the most part. Um, yeah, I haven't watched one in probably, I want to say a decade so having to watch those tropes play out in the way that they do in Kevin Can Fuck Himself reveals them to be what they truly are, which is horror movies for women and wives. Like absolutely terrifying and awful and you just want to run away. In the beginning, I loved the premise. I was happy to bounce back between sitcom world and the grittier reality or the grittier world whether it's reality or not, who knows. I did wonder at times um, about the longevity of the initial conceit though. I was like, are they really going to be doing this forever? Is that sustainable? Um, But thankfully, just when the premise was starting to drag for me, you know, the flip-flop between these two things, um, the show lets us dive deeper into a new relationship that I really relished. This was a whole nother level of catharsis watching this relationship. You know, I love me some female friendship mm-hmm. and I was given a wonderful but absolutely complex version of that. Alison's life, uh, that's the main character, it's so dire 
and we really needed a haven for her and I was very thankful that we got it. I think the chemistry between Annie Murphy and Mary Hollis Imboden, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, I apologise. I think that chemistry takes this show from a cool idea to something that I became extremely invested in emotionally. Without it, the show would be less and I don't think there's much doubt about that. This show is pretty dark. Even in the moments of brightly lit sitcom world, what we're seeing is either annoying or abusive or both. And uh, we're learning that it's not lighthearted fun, that kind of stuff that we've seen so often. And that can take its toll on the viewer. You know, I read in a Vice review that Valerie Armstrong referred to this as a feminist fit of rage. And it does feel like that. It's certainly not light fun. At times, the crushing weight of Alison's shitty life is unbearable to watch. You know, it makes you, what well, certainly made me furious and you just want to punch the TV, which makes me glad that I watched this one episode a week. I don't mm. necessarily think this show is made for binging. It is a lot. Sure. You know, it's, it's deranged. It's about a woman at the edge of sanity. She's in an emotionally manipulative and abusive relationship and she's lost all perspective on her options. You know, it's, it's disturbing in a lot of ways, but I also couldn't look away. I had no idea that the creator of this show was a writer on Lodge 49, um, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I mentioned in our last off-topic hot topic. And like I said there, Lodge 49 was a show unlike any I had seen before. And I think Valerie Armstrong has brought that ingenuity to Kevin Can Fuck Himself. There was an air of excitement about the possibilities of a show being absolutely itself with very little blueprint for the audience to refer to in terms of where it could go. The experience, while emotionally draining at times, was really cathartic for me. In almost every episode, I wanted Alison to smash Kevin's skull in, and I won't apologise for that. I think that's justifiable. Um, Season one of Kevin Can Fuck Himself certainly feels like act one, and that was enough for me. I loved the relationship we got between Alison and Patty so, so much, and I'm really happy to tune in for act two. In fact, I'm really excited to see it. Cool. That's my review. So I think listening to you, your review, there's a lot that I agree with you on. Um, where the difference in everything I'm about to say is going to come from, I think is mm-hmm. maybe... Misogyny? I, I know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I hate women, obviously. <laughs> We've said this before. Um, no, it's that I think I was already understanding of the concept and the idea of this show well ahead of going into it. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm about to say maybe is not, and I can definitely obviously isn't because you didn't have the same experience as me, comes from me going, cool, I know what this show is, so do something with it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like for you it was organically or doing it at a pace that was going to work for you, whereas mm-hmm. I was like, I understand what this show is doing because I understand the basic conceit completely because I've watched these shows and they are what they are. And so everything from there is where my frustrations I'm about to go through come from. So here we go. <laughs> He's got such a devious <laughs> smile on his face, everyone. Here we go. You know, you know, I've really got thoughts and I've written it down. Like when yeah. I've got a script. <laughs> That's how you know I'm ready to go. Yeah. I am a sucker for meta shit. 
Does that make me a simpleton? Maybe. But as someone who is interested in storytelling and the use of genre and tropes, especially in the formats of film and television, metatextual ideas typically typically work for me. Look no further than my love of community, my enthusiasm for Rick and Morty, side note, since we won't be reviewing it, the latest season was pretty whatever, and even my affection for WandaVision, which is admittedly less a metatextual comment on the eras of TV sitcoms it was aping from and more of a metaphor to filter through a story of griefing and escapism, but justify itself by, being, by using the form accurately, creatively, and entertainingly. So aside from worrying that it was that uh, Kevin can fuck himself was releasing the same year as the similarly conceded aforementioned WandaVision, I was really looking forward to checking out Kevin can fuck himself. What a great concept. Examine the inner life and ongoing struggle of the all too familiar put upon wife of the eternally celebrated sitcom man-child husband. Just a brilliant idea and a subject matter overdue for lampooning. Now that we've finally been able to watch the show, I am Bitterly disappointed to say that it does not live up to its incredible rich concept. (laughs) Put plainly, this is a poorly executed show and one that doesn't do nearly enough with or possibly doesn't even really understand its appealing conceit. For starters, as a supposed dark comedy, it's just not funny or engaging in that way. The show is surprisingly witless, I found. I honestly didn't laugh once. Not a single time in the entire time I was watching the show. I thought it was very poorly paced. Episodes run for 45 minutes, but could easily have been close to 30. And frankly, it was boorish. I was bored for most of the runtime. It's also kind of ugly, like just to look at. The visual language of the show is that when we're in... With Kevin, it's pre- uh, presented as a three-camera sitcom, complete with bright lights, stage-like blocking, and laugh track. When we're away from Kevin, it's shot like the most dimly lit and undersaturated single-camera drama you've ever seen. It is a blunt metaphor, and it loses any punch or value by the end of the pilot. I'm left watching a very ugly show for absolutely zero return, I thought. The central character of Alison and her story, though, through this se- through this season, is just as great and cliche as the sitcoms it's supposedly satirizing. For the first two to two forty-five minute episodes, i.e., the first quarter of this season, the show is squarely and solely placed on Allison and focuses on her only, and she's just not that interesting, likable, engaging, or any positive quality they can think of enough to spend every minute with. She could be. On paper, her situation should be enough to make us care, but concept is not enough without the execution to back it up, and neither the character of Allison nor her paint-by-numbers housewife-breaks-bad story were things I could invest myself in. That's not to say that Annie Murphy is necessarily doing a bad job here, though... I did think it was quite a choice that when you already look a bit like Margot Robbie, you also veer very closely to her Harley Quinn, wide-eyed, blonde-haired, cartoonish Boston accent and all. I did think that was interesting. Genuinely, <laughs> go on. I don't think she looks anything like Margot I, I Robbie. I think, and I wasn't the only one who said it. I was thinking it and Steph was watching going, is she trying to do Harley Quinn? Is she trying to do Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn? Because that's what it came to her. And Steph doesn't watch this stuff nearly as close as you and Quinn I. Is Harley Quinn from Boston? She's got this the similar sort of ass accent, the very very affected accent. I thought she had like a Jersey accent. Maybe, but in this situation, they weren't that far off. At least to okay. our ears. Okay. Genuinely, I think the cast are hitting their marks well enough, but the script direction and production simply do them no favors. But none of these sins compare to the greatest sin of all. Kevin can fuck himself. A show inspired by shitty male-centric sitcoms set inside slash alongside a shitty male-centric sitcom does absolutely nothing interesting with this idea beyond that which fits into the pilot or even its trailer, which is what if put-upon wife of the sitcom finally justifiably snapped. 
From that point on, the sitcom element, which takes up a not insignificant portion of the show's runtime, just is. It serves no real creative purpose and is used in no serviceable way beyond just being a shitty sitcom. It isn't commentating on the form. It isn't subverting the form. It just is. I have a lot to say about why this is so frustrating and utterly perplexing in our spoiler section, but I'll sum it up in this way. Making a bad sitcom is not making fun of or commenting on bad sitcoms. You are just making a bad sitcom. You have to undermine it, play with it, do something with it. Otherwise, why is it there? Would this story be any worse off without it if Kevin was just an awful husband without the transitional jingles and canned laughter? What would be different in how we understand the story? Kevin Can Fuck Himself Season 1 is just a straight-up waste of a good concept. I don't say this lightly, and it's certainly not as bad as this, but in some respects, I'm reminded of how frustrated and disappointed I was by Upload Season (laughs) 1. The pilot was set up, I was willing to give it time to build, and I was struggling by Episode 2, disliking it by 3, and by Episode 4, I was out. I managed to finish the season, but given the choice, I would not be returning to this show. Kevin can fuck himself, can fuck itself. But I just want to finish with one last bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, this might be just a me problem, but this okay. really didn't help my experience. What the fuck is wrong with the video encoding of this show? There is this, the whole time I was watching it, it was driving me insane. There was this subtle flickering at all times like like there was a crappy fluorescent light in the room or like a ceiling fan that's just spinning just behind the screen i tested on my tv i tested on my phone and both had the same issue i checked out other amazon shows and they had no issue i do not understand what was going on with it and that's not the show's fault necessarily it probably isn't it's probably got more to do with the fact they're grabbing the show um from amc i think it is who has it back in the states and i don't know whether that the Amazon platform just does not work with it, but it was driving me insane. An already ugly show was just actually hard to look at because it was a strobe effect that was going on the entire time. It drove me crazy. But I put that in the bonus section because that's not necessarily the show's fault. That's got something to do with the way we were what hey, I was Brad, watching on Amazon. Brad, yes. Brad. Um, yes. I think lockdown has finally gone to you. <laughs> no. No. I think but here's the thing too. The, flashing I, lights. It's so serious. <laughs> I am 100% serious. There is, I think that's my favorite part of your review. <laughs> oh, it drove me insane. And I don't I hold it again. I don't hold it against the show. Yeah, I hold it I against didn't notice, Amazon. To, to be honest. Did but... you watch it on Amazon? Yes. <sighs> I'd love to point I re- it out to I you. I rewatched some episodes on Amazon. I'd love to point it out to you and see if you can see it too, or if it's just okay. me. And if any listeners have had this same problem as well, please let me know. Maybe I am just going insane. That is possible. But I did <laughs> test it. I like. I had to find out if it was something I was doing. I had no idea it was going on. Yeah. Any? No, I'm just gaslighting you. <laughs> yeah, great, great. Just what I need. Uh, Damask, how would you score Kevin Can Fuck Himself Season 1 out of 5 stars? I don't want your brain to explode so i'm scared to tell you i'm giving it a four brad a four yeah four meaning excellent in our rating system brilliant yep. uh i'm gonna give it two stars mm. which is inferior i gave mm-hmm. upload 1.5 and it's not that bad but i really really struggled to find a reason to continue a way to enjoy the show again it's a dark comedy and I didn't. Did you laugh a lot? Yeah, I found it funny. Oh boy, I just did not find it funny at all. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to our spoiler section. So let's get on to that. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time again where we beg and plead at your feet for you all to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. The show really benefits when you leave five stars and a comment saying how much you enjoy what we do. It helps others find us, so share the love. And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews, we'll finally, finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. And I'm, I'm ready. Let's I'm do starting it. to think people don't want us to review Buffy. I was like, <laughs> Maybe that's right. it. Do we need a better, better carrot on this stick? You just let us know. Uh, we would also appreciate it if you shared hunting seasons with everyone in your life that watches way too much TV, which is the entire population, let's be <laughs> honest. So tell them to check us out. Next week, we'll be back with our review of Sex Education Season 3. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of sex education or if you have any thoughts on Kevin Can Fuck Himself, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Kevin Can Fuck Himself Season 1. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one of Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Kevin Can Fuck Himself up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. (laughs) Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. So, there's a couple of ways we can start this. Just so everyone yep. knows, listeners know, we've both gone and got a beer now because we feel like this yes. is going to be one we need a drink yeah, for. Yeah, I, I demanded refreshment, <laughs> alcoholic refreshments for this conversation. There's a couple of ways. I feel can- like I'm a, like, mum and dad caught me, like, coming in drunk last night. I'm about to get a lecture and I'm just, like, so scared. Well, that was the question I wanted to ask. I am interested in you, first of all, what your thoughts are. Do you have any anything in particular you disagree with about what I said? I imagine there's probably a lot. I I want to go into the specifics of why the sitcom part annoys me, but I'm I'm happy to yeah. wait a bit. I think I do see a lot of your points, but I think it's in degrees. Sure. <laughs> of, um, I agree that like there's certainly way more they could have done with the sitcom moments and premise. Um, I think they did do things with it. I don't think that it they did nothing with it. I don't agree with that so it's like I see your point but just not quite as severely as you see it I think watching those tropes in contrast to what seems more attached to reality was really affecting to me um, particularly when we have conversations with Patty 
about the behavior or behaviors of the men in the world was quite mm-hmm. affecting and illuminating for me. Um, seeing what's his name? I was about to say, what's his name? Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin's uh, manipulations and narcissism play out in Allison's life. Mm-hmm. Um, could they have done more? Absolutely. But I don't think it was a total waste of the premise. I, like I said in my spoiler-free review, I really do think this is Act One. Yep. And I, I, there's another thing I see what you're saying in terms of the character of Allison, and mm-hmm. there not being a lot there. I think as the season progresses, we see more because, in terms of you know that sitcom type show, she isn't really. A character, she isn't really a person. We're starting to see her kind of slowly develop that. Sure, except by the end of the first episode, she's decided she's gonna kill him. Like this is where this is what this is what frustrated me about the, the season a big way mm. was essentially the trailer and the pilot, even if you just take the pilot alone, mm. gets us to that point where like she's in a shit situation. Kevin sucks, she wants out, and the only way she sees herself getting out is killing him. And the mm. rest of the season, although I do agree that the stuff with Patty is pretty strong between the two of them. like mm. and I think it's definitely the, hands down the best part of this show. No doubt. No yeah. doubt at all. Like I 100% agree with that. Mm. But the once she's decided to kill him, the rest of the season is just figuring out how they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's no question of should I? It's no question of what my other options are. It's just I've decided I'm going to kill him. How am I going to make that happen? And then it turns into a really messy, terrible Breaking Bad storyline where she keeps just these different ideas pop up and then she fucks it up somehow. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find that compelling in the slightest because, mm-hmm. because while her relationship with Patty was good, I'm really let down by that there wasn't... I just... I just... I'm so... The, the reason I was excited about the show was the idea of taking something that was so, is so familiar, right? I don't mm. think it's a stretch to think the audience can't see quickly how fucked up this situation is for Alison, right? Mm. I don't think it should take a whole season for people to go, you know what? I think I agree with Alison that Kevin is a bit of a dick. I think it took one episode or a trailer, right, mm. to get us there. And so once you're there, surely you do something with more of the sitcom element. And what really frustrated me, the point that broke me, right, where I was like, I'm <laughs> oh, out with this no. show. I didn't want it to break you, bro. <laughs> the, when I say break me, I mean it broke my interest in, yeah, in watching yeah. the show. Anymore. I know what you're saying, yeah. Is the fact that we were watching Kevin do have storylines that did not involve Allison in any way, shape, or form. That did not impact on her. And now there's a lot of ways this show could be a lot of different things, right? It could be that when we see the sitcom world, it is a actual textual reality, right? It's fantastical mm-hmm. and science fiction. Yeah. I don't think that's what the show is going for, but that could be it. Right, we are actually inside a sitcom slash Breaking Bad drama world where it's your one of two things at all times. Mm-hmm. It seemed more likely to me, especially based off Allison's fantasies in season one, where she fantasizes killing him or pouring him the beer in their new home and stuff like that. This is more an interpretation of what it feels like to be in this situation. When Allison is in the room with Kevin, mm-hmm. then he's the center of attention. Everyone thinks he's the best, and she disappears. The moment he leaves, the reality of her situation being a duck existence is the reality she's living through it's more of a metaphor Mm -hmm. so why the fuck are we spending 
extremely long stretches of time just watching Kevin in a shitty sitcom that does not affect Alison's experience. I cannot figure out one logical reason that we would want to spend time in the shitty sitcom if it's not having an effect on the storyline that is Alison, who's the character we care about. Because do you care about Kevin on any level? Like, is there any part of Kevin that you find interesting beyond the fact that he is just the stereotypical buffoonish man-child um, sitcom character? No, I think that you bring up two things there. So firstly... As a viewer, I don't think that watching those things, I'm not like, oh, well, this doesn't affect Alison at all. It, it contextualizes the, the situation for me, which I think is really important. Do I care about Kevin? No, I don't. But I see those things differently. Yeah. Okay. So put it this way then. I think there is a way, right? So let's, let's take the episode where they go out. It's Kevin's birthday. Yes. Yeah, it's Kevin's birthday, right? Mm-hmm. And he's doing the the classic um, two events at once two dates, thing, yeah. right? Yep, yep, he's yep. got the date with Allison in the hotel, and then next door he's got the situation in the um, the arcade, whatever, mm-hmm. right? The Funland. Mm-hmm. And so we have a situation. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is such a tried and true trope mm-hmm. that just about anybody who has any interest in this sort of genre should know that trope, right? Mm-hmm. So what is the value in seeing Kevin do the switcheroo thing in the alleyway? What is the value of seeing him go over there doing his bullshit with Neil and his dad? Because couldn't okay. we spend... I could time, Hold on, hold on, mm. hold on. Couldn't we spend that time? Because for me, the value of using the, the tropes and using the language of these things would be to subvert them. So the moment that Kevin leaves, we stay with Alison, it goes to the dark world... The stuff with Alison happens and then she's interrupted when he comes back and he comes back and he's sweaty and he's pretending like it, like he wasn't somewhere else. They actually had to get someone from his car. And there's something about like, you know what actually happened in the other place. You don't actually need to see what happened in the arcade because you are an audience member who is smart enough to understand because you've seen the storyline 8,000 times already what was going on. And I feel like as an audience member, I am being treated like an idiot <laughs> Or, if not, they just think I actually want to watch a shitty sitcom inside this show. In which case, I'm neither a dumb audience member, nor do I want to watch 20 minutes of Kevin doing the shitty sitcom bit over in the other room. And that's what frustrates me. I could not understand how the show is mistreating such an interesting concept so poorly. Go on, Damas. <laughs> Thanks. Um, all right. So, I actually did get value out of watching Kevin leave and his interaction interactions with Keith and his dad, whose name I can't remember. Is it Neil? Or is it Keith? I don't care. <laughs> uh, no, no, you're right. I think it's Neil. Maybe Keith's his dad. I really don't it's the care. the AI Go maybe on. that got me confused. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Neil. And then the the drug guy is called Nick. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's right. Um. So, yeah, him with Neil and his dad. I think it just kind of builds out that world for me. We see the way that they talk about Alison, how they are with each other and how much Kevin prioritises Neil and that the women in this world are really nothing to them. Um, And yes, it was frustrating and annoying and disgusting to watch, but 
I feel like it's just, you know, accumulation at this point for me. I was like, yeah, I'm getting to this point where I do feel great when Alison is happy to let him choke to death. The, okay, the problem is that where I guess I disagree with you is that I was there from episode one on that. Like it happens in the room and Alison's there. When we have her, like they don't even need to hide, they're not hiding it when she's there. So when you show me them doing it when she's not there, it's exactly the same as when they do it when she's in the room with them, which at least I get to have Alison's experience be a part of that situation. I don't think anything that happened in the, in the game's um, place next door was any more insightful into how she they treat Alison than when they were doing it in the home in the first four or five episodes. Do you know it's what I mean? Like showing how they... Yeah, treat one another though, how they are with each other, this kind of gross world that they live in and relish They've living in. They've literally been doing that since the first episode though. Everything they do, it's about Neil is is obviously besotted with Kevin wants to be his mm. best friend. Kevin will treat Neil as the guy who will just go along with him because Kevin thinks he's the best and his dad seems to encourage it all. And that is every single time we spend time with them. It's the same when we do the stupid escape room, another episode where Alison is not involved in the sitcom for the majority of it. Mm -hmm. Every single time it's the exact same thing. And that's what I mean. It's the exact same thing because it's not actually meant to be about Kevin changing, right? It's not meant to be about us the insight comes when we get to see Alison in that situation and how she reacts to it sometimes in the sitcom and then the immediate aftermath and then what she decides to do when she's not around Kevin. Yeah. Kevin is, is like a force of nature. reframing within the new context, though, the reframing of seeing what we have seen before next to I guess that's the this difference, other right? thing. And, like, in terms of the escape room, reframing that now when we see Alison going off and the kind of... The end of that episode where he's fucking called the cops on her uh, because she's been gone with his car for an extended amount of time. The reframing of like his singular focus on what he's doing all of the time. He has no interest in her safety. If something's happened to her, he cares about his car. He's extremely controlling. The reframing of this, you know, seemingly innocuous situation we've seen before is horrifying to watch. So what's interesting about that, right, is we didn't even see Kevin call the cops on Allison, right? Mm -hmm. Because the show knew, we understood that Kevin would do that. Which is why I this is this that's that's I guess where where my problem is. I truly believe the audience already understands the genre well enough to not need to be reminded every episode, especially when Allison's not there. If you want to do it, just make it happen with Allison somewhere present, or don't do it every episode. To do it I when just, Allison's not even involved. That's why. That's I why just I just don't agree don't, with that. I think it's a total waste of time. It's a total waste of time because what you're saying is that. I, when you say you reframe it because you compare it to what's happening in Allison's world, mm. that it, it, the same thing happens if you just took. I, I don't think you need the extra time with Kevin away from Allison. I just don't yeah, think I you need to see I think it. The, I, I truly resented level, that I was spending time there. The level of narcissism and how truly horrific that relationship dynamic is and you can say like oh you know I already know that I don't watch you know everybody loves Raymond and feel sick to my stomach I don't do that that's not my reaction to that watching these two sequences together made me feel that did it make it feel like every time it happened every episode right mm. it was, was it that much it, different yeah. what 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 was the extra layer from 
was the extra layer from the initial episode. What happens in episode one? What's his whole thing he's doing in episode one? Because he always got something. Um, I can't even remember what the... His... No, it's not his birthday one. It's their anniversary. The anniversary one, right? Mm. What what added layer to Kevin's complete self-involvement do you get from also seeing basically the same thing happen when they do the dinner thing? It's essentially the same conceit. My friends are more important. I'm going to separate you two into different worlds and try and keep you separate because I actually don't give a shit about you. I just care about the men in my life. On and on and on and on and I get it. It's the difference between, you know, being the put-upon wife, the frustration of having an emotionally inarticulate, emotionally vapid, nothing's going on husband and the chasm that exists there to actually showing that she's in an abusive relationship. I, I I swear that is just it's already there in episode one. There's no difference between seeing that seeing that, especially again when when Allison's not around. Because we I surely disagree. I think there sure, is escalation. So do you think so you weren't actually on board with Allison's point of view up until like at what point did you go, fuck, I agree with her, she's in an abusive relationship and needs out? What how long did it take you to get to that point? I agree that she need to be out of the relationship. Yeah. In terms of her belief that she couldn't just leave, but in fact actually needed to kill him, mm-hmm. that came later. Do you think that she absolutely the, when has he to called kill him? The, oh, she's having a conversation with Patty. Um, I think they're talking about Neil as well. I can't remember. I've watched this fuck like a month ago. <laughs> um, and they're talking about how you know, she she can't leave. Like, he's always kind of got to manipulate the situation and drag her back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, I can see why you would fantasize about killing this person. So what's crazy then, though, is the show could have spent time watching her try to leave before deciding to kill him and show how, like, literally trying to before deciding to kill him. Could have spent some time doing that. Thinking about killing him, fantasizing about killing him, go, oh, killing him is pretty extreme. Maybe I should just try and get out of this first. And never does. Never attempts it. Never shows it. Just shows how shit Kevin is, which I got from episode one. She never once tried to do anything except just go to murder. And that's where it's like, that's a, that's half a season there. Half a season showing that it is really, truly inescapable, even when you, she tries to leave, that it just does not work. Show his manipulations in that respect. And it never comes. I think that's what they're doing with the sitcom, is showing it, why but, she can't leave. But Alison leave. is not given the agency because Alison's not involved at that point. She's not, she's, from the first episode's end, she is dead set on killing him. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying... That that's not necessarily... I mean, great makes good television, the idea of killing the the sitcom husband, especially if you're basing on the one where they killed off the wife last time. Again, the concept is so strong. It's the execution on that concept where I think they've really completely wasted wasted the potential therein. And I disagree. And I, We're not going to agree on it. There's no, there's no point trying to fight it or argue it. I just completely and disagree yet. that... The, <laughs> pardon? I said, and yet... Here he goes. Well, I'm just, I'm, I think we just have to leave it there. It's just like, I could not disagree less that the time spent with Kevin when Allison is around added any value to me to changing my opinion of Kevin in any way. I was sold. I was sold from episode one. Kevin's a piece of shit. I think Allison maybe could have tried to get it, out yeah, earlier and still kill him. It wasn't about changing my opinion of Kevin, it was simply understanding 
the details around her perspective. So why not have her there? So she's there to do it. Why does it have to be when she's doing something with Patty? Because she's off doing her own thing. Cool. Let's let's just do that. Let's not go to Kevin those episodes. Because I don't care about Kevin. I care about Allison. Mm. Yeah, I want to spend time with her. I guess if you don't feel the horror and it in no way affects you watching that in context with what Allison is going through, then it's not going to be effective for you. And that's fine, but, but it was for me. The point you brought up about him calling the cops, right? Mm. That worked without, that would have worked without seeing him do his, in fact, you start the episode, right? I, all you do is as they're going to leave, they're talking about doing their dumb um, uh, escape room, right? We come back after they get back, after he's called the cops on her, and he can explain what happened to her. But we never had to have seen it. And it would have identical effect. Because I believed already that Kevin was that sort of piece of shit. If you're just saying it, that the cops rocked up, me have no idea why, and then find out that Kevin called thing, I'd go, fuck, that makes perfect sense. That's exactly what Kevin would do once he, because he didn't didn't listen to Alison saying she was leaving. She didn't, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it would have made no difference to me if we didn't have the sitcom hijinks. I simply don't agree with that. We we definitely don't. (laughs) Seeing the small kind of, yeah, innocuous, like, manipulations happen and it being laughed at that, you know, oh, he's, he's so clueless that he needs to call his wife to find the Crisco or whatever, like, small innocuous things like that. Altogether, it, it it affected me, and I I enjoyed that stuff. But again, Simple as that. I don't need you to argue with me about it. It affected me, um, and but, we're not going to agree. But those examples were both in Allison's world. When he called asking about the Crisco, we didn't see Kevin's perspective. It was just the phone call that we saw with Allison. No, in the but room. we saw in his one the ignoring Allison, wanting him to take out that whatever she was cooking, his whole little scheme thing and how he is absolutely running that household. Like those things We saw that in the opening see. part of the episode when Alison was still there though. Like nothing, nothing, nothing. I didn't learn anything about Kevin being a piece of shit that I didn't, in the rest of the time we spent in the basement with him doing the, doing the escape room that I didn't get from the opening scene before they I left. know, you've said it five times. I understand what, I mean. what you're, I understand what I, you're saying. I just think it's such an inefficient like a total waste of genre, I've and we're gonna have to leave it there. I've heard it, and I don't. Let's agree talk with about you. Allison. <laughs> yes. She's a fucking moron. <laughs> she's a total she's, dumbass. She's not. Look, she's not built for um, planning murders. No, um, not at all. And one of the things I fucking hated about Breaking Bad was this. I'm in a tough situation. Bull science brain. And all of a sudden he just solves his issues. I like that she sucks. <laughs> It'd be weird if she didn't. Um, was it incredibly frustrating to watch her make like... A million oh, basic errors. Yeah. A million fucking errors. Um, yeah. But for me, that was part of the, the learning process. Sure. I think. And I enjoyed that because that resulted in her needing to branch out connect with Patty, rely on Patty, and I fucking loved where we got with those two. Cool. Yeah, I agree with that. Allison really frustrated me. And the thing is, in a similar way to what I think people struggle with, and you in particular struggle with Breaking Bad, it's like uh, I didn't – or like I sympathized with her problem. I didn't always sympathize – with the way she was going about things or how she was doing it. She was not planning things well. She was like, she was just being a piece of shit to other people around her. Mm -hmm. One, there was a moment that really made me go, fuck, I really don't like you as a person. Um, 
when she was drinking, I can't remember the context exactly because it's been a couple of weeks since I watched it as well. She was drinking. She brought the bottle with her into the workplace of the of the ongoing alcoholic and then kissed them. I thought was really fucked up thing to do. Like really yeah, she, fucked up. She is fucked up. Mm. Allison is 100% fucked up. Um, the amount of like self-sabotaging going on um, to give her an excuse to set her life on fire is out of this fucking world. Um, yeah, she's lost control of her impulses um, and she, yeah, she's a fucking asshole, but it's, you know, it's that person who has been a blank slate because of low self-esteem for so long, um, all of a sudden coming into their own and just choosing, oh, this bad thing that I wouldn't let myself do before, that must be who I am as a person, as opposed to just a sad little cry for help. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I liked the evolution of Alison, I'm I'm sure you didn't, but I did. Um, I didn't necessarily dislike it. Like the, I I think the, yeah, I think what frustrated me more than anything was just I think for a show that's meant to be a dark comedy, I didn't find it particularly funny. I don't think the writing really lends itself to comedy for the characters of Alison or Patty more so a little bit, but not Alison necessarily. Um, I didn't find the situations particularly funny in that regard, if it is meant to be a comedy. As a drama, it was pretty paint by numbers, I think. Um, we've had a lot of like anti-heroes, and this is like another version of that. Even the anti-heroine thing, heroine thing is starting to become a, a bit of a uh, cliche. We've had good girls as a good example of this, Breaking Bad, because the situation shit, they rob a bank store, and it gets worse and worse and worse as they get deeper and deeper into it mm. because it never solves their problems. Like we've done this a few times now. I didn't think it was really adding anything to that in a way, especially when I was already frustrated with the other half of the show being as bad as it was for me, that it didn't necessarily make up for that. But but the thing I'll always come back to, and I think I want you to talk about the most because it's the best part, is the Allison and Patty stuff. Oh, for sure. It's great. Yeah. No, I, you know, you always, when I watched that first episode, I was like, oh, fuck. I really like, I really want her to have somebody because mm. this is really dire otherwise and like, and two ep- two almost whole episodes go by where it's literally the only focus is Allison. Yeah. And it's like, and it's that feeling of like, all right, well, where, where are we going? Like, where is this adventure going to take us? And it's, for me, it was really stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was really stressed out. Um, and then we have that lovely kind of moment, if not like really upsetting moment where Patty tells her that, um, Kev- I keep going like, what's his name? It's in the fucking show title. <laughs> uh, when Kevin has, um, yeah, lost all of their life savings. Yeah. Which is fucking upsetting. Um, at that point, I just go in and strangle him personally. But um, yeah, but the, I think, what, what's that actress's name who plays Patty? I've got it here. I can probably find it myself. It's a three person. It's a three names. Mary it's Hollis Inbidden. Yeah. yeah. She's so good. Um, I love the kind of snarky, sardonic Daria-ness of her. Um, Reminds she balances- me a little bit of uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, I can't remember the character's name off the top of my head. Yes, yes. I know exactly. And I think everyone at home has watched it knows exactly who you're talking about. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I love, yeah, that kind of snarky, mean girl 
thing of, mm. and not the popular mean girl, but the girls in the leather jackets and with the stretches in their ears who scare the shit out of you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that with this incredible vulnerability that she is able to bring to the screen, I think was really affecting for me. Um, and just as quite a lot of conversations between her and Alison about the role that Patty has played in mm. the diminishing of Alison over the years. That was, yeah, phew, yeah, it, it got me good, I think. Just there was one line that Alison says to Patty and she's like, you know, she's talking about how she had a job and Kevin put sugar in her boss's um, petrol tank because he thought she was having an affair and all of this stuff and, Alison just says, right when I felt like I was worth something, he ruined it. And you just watched him and laughed. And I was just like, Pfft. and obviously that's a commentary on, you know, the audiences of sitcoms as a whole and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. just on a personal level as well, I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty fucked to come back from, but to also realize that this person is your only potential ally is a really lonely place to be. And I'm glad that that, develops into Patty also realizing that, you know, Kevin is a person who will set your life on fire if you inconvenience him or you get in his way, um, as she realize as Patty realizes when she's kicked out of the group and her boyfriend leaves her. She's like, Oh, Alison is my only ally as well. Mm. And we're both really lonely people, even though I, Patty, have pretended not to be for so long. Yeah, I, I just really enjoyed all of that stuff and their differences. and By far the most compelling part of the show and yeah. Patty's stuff in particular, especially the mm. way you articulate that beautifully, I think is, yeah, no doubt the highlight for me and mm. the one thing that was keeping me going when I was struggling with the show. Um, <laughs> you were clawing you... to it. Your fingernails were bleeding. Like, give me more of this, please. Really? Honestly. And yeah. like, that's why I was so frustrated early on when it was just Alison. It was like when they finally got to getting, including Patty and letting Patty's storyline be a focus as well. And it does feel, it's funny because it really doesn't happen until episode three, the first time we see her on her, one of her dates, I guess, um, with the boyfriend or his name, I can't remember all of a sudden, the, the guy who works at the chemist and mm. um, they're sitting down what, eating vegetables and watching whatever it was together. I was like, it sort of comes out of nowhere because I didn't feel like we'd really articulate that she even had a boyfriend and maybe I was just misremembering. Well, I thought she was married to Neil. I thought that. I didn't realise for a long time that they <laughs> and were And then Angela and had to well. explain to me. She's like, no, they're brother and sister. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. okay. I was like, is she cheating on Neil? Is that a twist yeah. that I didn't see coming? Yeah, That's kind of what I was wondering as well at the time. Uh, well, speaking of the relationships, though, how do you find her starting to date the police officer? Um, I'd, Yeah, at first I was like, oh, this is cute and exciting. And I love the complication it brought to the relationship with her and Alison, mm-hmm. which is an interesting dynamic of Alison once again being a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. And she just wants to get out of her shitty relationship. So she's like, can you make your relationship shitty too? Uh, which is an awful thing to do, but also leads to a great conversation between Alison and Patty and Alison being like, oh, I didn't want to assume anything. Once again, being a fucking passive dickhead because mm-hmm. um, fuck you, you knew what you were doing and Patty calls her out on that. Um, so I, I liked all that. I'm very scared for Patty. I'm like genuinely scared that she's going to get caught um, for dealing drugs. I don't want her to. I want 
I want both the women just to get away with any crime. Um, and that's what I hope happens. And I'm scared that it's not going to happen that way. Um, yeah, cute relationship. But I do. Th- well, what do you think's going on between Patty and Allison? Uh, I got the impression that maybe Patty was coming to realization that her feelings for Allison are a bit more romantic than she initially thought. And that sort of like the stuff that was happening with the cop was sort of her discovery that maybe she's actually into women too. Mm-hmm. Or maybe in more into women than she's into men, but none of it. Patty's not done a. They've not done a. They've not at this stage, and I'm not we saying they got couldn't. There yet. Well, they yeah. haven't got there yet, and they haven't articulated a lot. It's mostly in those looks. Like at this point, mm-hmm. it'd end up being one of those, um, those fucking shipping videos of the way that Patty <laughs> looks, at Allison. If it was anything, like the most you get out of it. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, well, that's as far as you could get right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is all um, me editing a fan slash fan video in my mind at this point but there is like obviously there's a certain look that patty has on her face when allison is like leaning on her shoulder in the bathtub and i was like oh okay so patty might have feelings but then straight after that she goes to the cop and is like no i like you know i want to explore this but then when allison and patty have a conversation about patty's being like you know fuck you for asking me to look you know in my girlfriend's handbag or whatever. Um, And it's, I'm not sure which way they're going to go with it, but it seems to me as though Alison, there is something there on Alison's side. There's a certain jealousy or something like that. Yeah, There's a certain type of jealousy and whether or not that's simply because Patty is her new person and she mm-hmm. clearly attaches herself to people. Really the only person, especially after she sort of fucked it up with Sam at the end of yeah, the episode. Yeah, things like she's well. been attached to Kevin for so long and she leapfrogs to Sam and now mm-hmm. she's like leaping onto Patty. Like that's kind of what she does. So whether that's a, just a simple jealousy of like, no, no, you're my only person, you're the person I trust and you can't have anyone that's higher up than me. Um, or if there is something more there, I'm not sure. We're certainly not there narratively to even begin exploring that, if that is what's happening. But it, uh, I, I raise my eyebrows. You're, you're at picking it. up the breadcrumbs. I am. Whether they is actually this a lead to situation? Grandma's house. This is yeah. a Korosami situation again. I don't know, but um, we shall see. We shall see. I, I think. I, I mean. There's a little more evidence there than something like a Cora, where at least the character is dating another woman. <laughs> so, like, the potential seems a little higher. This is true. This is true. Um, anyway, what'd you make of the character of Sam and his inclusion in the storyline? Because I was left at the very end going, I need more than one argument with him and his wife at their home for me to give a shit about him and his situation at all. And the fact that oh, that's went one there. situation I'd happily like. I don't need to know about Sam's life. Didn't need to know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Didn't I don't care, care about that. Um, because he really is. I would. I would happily see him the way that Allison clearly sees him, which is like just an escape route. He's someone that she can go to when she wants to prove that she's still alive and, and young the, and the and life that she wishes she could get back. Totally. Like, like I'm happy for that just to be that situation. Yeah. Um. I don't need proof that Sam is in a rocky marriage exactly to justify his felt. actions. I yeah. was like, no, no, he can be, you know, a shit husband. Like that's whatever. It's also like, one or the other, right? It's like that's, mm. this is again where I was like, like execution of the show was frustrating for me. It's like if you want to do that situation, introduce Sam a little bit earlier and have the wife be in it a little bit earlier. In the mm. maybe working in the in the cafe as well and see. 
if you want to portray him as a she husband, we can see that she's amazing. If you want to portray that he wants to escape this, then give us some hints. But then it's like episode seven or something, and we get one scene of them arguing in the house, and it was you like get it after the fact. Bit I was late, like, guys. You don't need to. It's yeah. It felt kind of Either like do those it or times. Don't. Yeah. When they do, yeah, you know, audiences come in and give their opinions about a movie or whatever. And they're like, oh, that person isn't likable enough. And so yeah. they have to make changes. I was like, Sam doesn't need to be likable to me. No one else in this world is likable. We don't mm. need a good guy um, versus, you know, the bad guy who is Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't need that. I'm happy for people to be compli- complicated shitheads. Um, yeah, I don't need to know about Sam's life is how I feel about that. Yeah, I thought that was a really uh, – it, it, to me, it was just another sort of like the execution of this was not there. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any thoughts on the conversation you had with Alison at the end? We're doing the whole Trump thing with Kevin apparently because we didn't need to be more on the nose about how men just fail upwards and shitty people get popular and get power. Um, but the then they come out of the diner afterwards and Allison isn't leaving him and he's mm. arguing with her about that. Did you feel for him, his perspective on that? Do you think he was out of line? Um, I mean, no, I don't think he's out of line. Like that's, She's been pretty manipulative and I don't think everything he said was correct, but he's also like being broken up with after he has had an affair with this person mm-hmm. and left his partner. I think mm-hmm. that's emotionally valid too express anger um not the greatest way to do it but whatever and allison is a prick so she probably needs to be told that she's a fucking prick but i did like the complication of patty has made her realize that she needs to make her life less suspicious and so therefore she has to go to the fertility clinic and not leave her husband and not be having an affair and all that stuff yeah i was like okay that is actually a nice complication that I'm enjoying her trying to patch these stories together. And I know you didn't laugh at any point in this show, but I found her attempts at being seen in the fertility clinic quite humorous. I didn't I didn't mind it. I wouldn't say I laughed, but I didn't mm. mind it. I thought it it, ha- it was pointed at least. I quite liked in its it. silliness, yeah. Mm. Uh which which if there's enjoyment to be had from Alison being shit at what she's doing. I sometimes wish the show was just bad. Maybe that's where I, I like. I'm struggling with the comedy. I wish the show was better. That was a good example of when they were showing her being like not great at this thing that she's trying to mm. do. This this scam essentially she's trying to pull off, or this crime she's trying to pull off. It's like when she goes into is it Nick's place and they're trying to like plant the evidence. Mm-hmm. I was like, boy, I wish someone would point out the fact that she's not wearing gloves or that <laughs> what happened to that stuff that um that you gave him that had like all the details on how to kill this guy if you're planning to murder him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, no one was pointing that stuff out. I was like, I wish the show would do something to remind us that she's shit rather than me just sort of going, boy, you're bad at this. <laughs> like, make it make it funny. It, it, it should be... It, it, may, it could be funny. That's where the dark humour could be. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I was better. laughing at that. I mean, you say you don't want them to point things out too much. I, I was make laughing at those situations. Okay. Um there's one situation where I think they are pointing out how shit she is, is when she steals the lipstick and it's the shittest color in the world. Sure, I really yeah. enjoyed that moment. Um, but yeah, I guess like, as we've said, when we've tried to do comedies in the past, it is subjective and there's no totally. point, um, yeah, kind of discussing it because we're just pointing at each other and they're like, no, I understand humor and you <laughs> don't. Yeah. <laughs> Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? 
Um, I've already used one of them and I only had two, so I've only got one more. Um, so <laughs> the woman, <clears throat> sorry, I think who is her auntie, but also works at the liquor store with her, mm-hmm. Diane, I think the character's name is, she's played by Jamie Denbo, who is one of my favorite podcasters ever. She doesn't have a podcast anymore, but the archives still exist of, uh, Ronna and Beverly, which is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. She's oh. a great improv actress, comedic actress, and I Every time I see her and things, because she's even in like, she's got small bit parts in Orange is the New Black and stuff. Every time I see her, I get so, so happy. I remember you pointing out in something else before that we reviewed, Orange is mm-hmm. the New Black will be it. A uh, couple of lines that I appreciated. Can't you just be cool? I'm right. That's way better. I know that feeling, Alison. Um, <laughs> I also liked, this was possibly in some ways the funniest moment, even though I didn't really laugh at it. The idea that a vodka soda is broadening the horizons over the beer that Patty was drinking is very funny to me. And I guess <laughs> vodka is a metaphor for vaginas um, sure. in that situation. Well, I've always you know. said that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just a little observation as well. The credit song of episode one, mm-hmm. which is entitled You Don't Know How Glad I Am by Nancy Williams, was also used in the ending of the... Sorry, in End of the Fucking World... Uh, the opening sequence of season two, another show that had to censor, censor its title because it had fuck in it, which I oh, thought was yeah. funny. Hmm. I was, don't know how I connected those dots, but anyway, that's where my brain was at the time. Least favourite and favourite episodes. What was your least favourite episode, Damask? I'm going to give you an aneurysm again. I don't have a least favourite. You can't be serious. There's going to be one episode that was a little bit worse than the others. No, I don't have a least favourite. My least favorite episode was episode four, <laughs> Live Free or Die. The fact that we we're watching Kevin's stuff without Alice in there completely undermines the point of the show. Why are we here? They're just making a shitty sitcom. Just making a shitty sitcom is not making fun or any observation on shitty sitcoms. And that's, like I said, episode four is when I I just was like, I don't know why I'm watching this show anymore. Favorite episode. What was your favorite episode, Damask? This is so funny. Episode four. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, the funny thing is, I actually get this because yeah. the Allison and Patty stuff, which yeah. was completely disconnected from the stuff that was giving me the shits about the show, mm. was good. Yeah. All right. So, uh, like, really, next to favorite episode, I have episode four and onwards. So, all the episodes past <laughs> that, I was like, fuck yeah, be bear. Um, so, yeah, it's the road trip episode. I love Patty and Allison together. Um, the more of that they have is the better. Um, sure. We also get the incredibly dark moment that we spoke about before um, that he calls the cops on her and mm-hmm. it's not because he's worried about her. It's because of the car and that she is ignoring him. Um, I also love that we see Alison is so good at playing the put upon wife with the cop. Like she just mm-hmm. convinces him in one second. It shows us that she is so good at pretending like it is her greatest skill Um and yeah, the line that Kevin says, I pictured you lying dead in the trunk with some thug driving off with my car is so dark to me. Um, but yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that episode. What's your favorite episode, Brock? Well, the funny, the funny thing is I don't disagree with everything you're saying. That part of the episode I actually appreciate a lot. Mm-hmm. And especially because you got to spend so much time with Patty and Allison throughout the whole episode of just trying to figure this out and being completely out of their depth. Um wasn't terrible and seeing them try and figure this out and figure out how they can get some sort of um, power in those situations where they were so out of their depth. Those bits were good. Those bits were good. My favorite episode is episode seven broken. There was very little sitcom in it. 
uh, which really made me happy because I did. We didn't need it. We just didn't need to be there, and there's no purpose for it. So they didn't include it, which was great. Um, I did think it was interesting also that when they were around Neil, it was still a sitcom, and it wasn't mm-hmm. about Kevin being present. So it was like, oh wow, maybe they're going to do something interesting with this concept a little bit one day. And they got there even in the last episode with the final bit with Neil at the end where. Uh, Patty hits him over the head with whatever it was, and then it breaks even Neil's in the dark world side of things. Like, cool, that's a good idea for season two if I cared enough to watch it. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked. I it, it removed the element that was absolutely giving me the shits, and so it was by far the episode I was most. What interested part was giving you the shits? I don't think the, you've made the that sitcom clear stuff. <laughs> the sitcom stuff. Did you think I was actually asking you? I did. <laughs> This show hurt oh, me, Damascus. Bless you, bro. This show bless hurt you. me. I know. Predictions, hopes, I know. and concerns. And and I I we say this a lot. Mm-hmm. It's the shows that you're most excited about and you think have the most potential that hurt you the most. Because I really, okay. truly, we talked about this when they first announced the concept. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I'd never watched Shit's Creek, I'm not familiar with Eddie Murphy that much. The general idea was so compelling to me mm-hmm. that I brought it up as a news topic. It's like, this is a cool idea for a show. When it was coming and trying to figure out where it was going to be in Australian television, I was genuinely excited to watch this show. So when it didn't pan out for me, I was pretty disappointed. Uh, predictions, hopes, concerns going forward to season two. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, like you were saying before, I think the stuff with Neil at the end mm-hmm. where we see kind of... It's not just Kevin who lives in that world. It's, you know, guys like Neil as well. Mm-hmm. And he has been broken out of it um, mm-hmm. once the the ladies take back their power. Um, I'm excited to see now that he has overheard them. We don't know exactly what he's overheard. We, we assume yeah, they're particularly that it's the vague. Thing. They really gave themselves a million and one different yes. outs there, depending on how serious they want to be or yeah. how inconsequential they want to be. Yeah, whether they're going to have to shoot Neil in the face in the first episode, who knows? But I am excited to see how they resolve that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, whether Neil will be able to get back to that kind of perfect white average man loser world, or if he is going to. Now that he has seen his sister and Alison in a new light, will that affect him permanently moving forward? I'm excited to see. Yeah, I just want to know how they're going to resolve that and if they can eventually kill Kevin because I am actually invested in that. Do you think that's likely to happen anytime soon if they want the show to go on for more than two seasons? I'm I'm thinking this might be a three-season show, like Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. That's my prediction. Do you think... Kevin is likely to die any time before the second to last episode of the series, though? No. I don't think so either. If it's ever going to happen, it's going to be way down the track. Yeah. Because unfortunately, his name, as much as you forget it, is in the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the bit, the only bit that gave me a real glimmer of hope based on where I was was that very final shot, very final part with Neil. Though it came so late, part of the frustration for me was that's the sort of stuff I feel like they should have been doing from about episode four. Like middle of the season, something like that should have happened because I was well and truly there already for them to just use this visual language they had with the sitcoms versus the single camera stuff and do something more interesting than just this happens when Alison's with the boys and then it's not there when she's not. Like it just was really a waste of time, I thought. Um, so that's exciting, but I just don't trust the show at this stage 
to do much with it, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. I get the feeling you're pretty keen. I've made you watch second seasons of shit that I, that you haven't enjoyed before, so we're going to be reviewing season two, I'm pretty sure. I don't want to have this conversation again. <laughs> we don't have to. I have no desire to have this conversation again. Well, we'll if put I, it, Okay, because I'm definitely going to watch it, yep. and if I think that it does like any it. of the things to rectify what you didn't like in season one, I will let you know and let you choose. But at this point, no, I'm not going to subject you to watch something that you fucking hate and that you yell at me about. <laughs> I no I yelling at in that. you. I was yelling at the showrunners. All right. I just happened to be on the other end of the Zoom call. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss Sex Education Season 3. Actually, to be more accurate, there may be an off-topic, hot-topic in between because we are due Mm -hmm. for one of those. Um, So there may be a bonus episode just before that. Uh, If it gives you any indication on Sex Education Season 3, I watched the entire thing in one weekend um, voluntarily. Sometimes that happens because I've got to watch a show mm. to get ready for the podcast. And you've left it to the last minute because you're like, I don't actually Correct. want to watch this. That's Correct. what I did every year with Sopranos. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In this scenario, uh, we ended up watching probably six episodes in a row, actually, one night. Yeah. Um, I've already well, finished it as well. Like, there you Andrew go. and I like, was like, all right, another episode? Absolutely. Yeah. And that being said, I have slightly more complicated thoughts on season three than maybe you might think from me watching that much, but also You can still get through it thoughts. pretty happily, I which is quite, good size. I had a I had a good enough time that I was I couldn't stop watching if that makes sense. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.